Oh, United Church, how are you feeling today? Are we feeling good? Come on. Wow. Uh, who's thankful they came to church today? Anybody thankful you came to church? I'm just thankful I came to church today. And, uh, and man, what, a, what an amazing season that we're in. And today we start this brand new teaching series called Revival. And I, we're going to jump into that in a minute. Uh, but I just got to say this. I had somebody ask me like, hey, Pastor Kenneth, I'm not sure what I think about skulls. I'm not sure what I think about skulls in, in church. Is that, is that okay? And, and uh, you know, I, I, I would challenge you on this because um, um, have you ever heard of symbolism? Anybody ever heard of symbolism, right? There's, there's dead things and there's living things and there's flowers coming out of a skull, which symbolize is what Jesus did in your life. It's amazing. How many of you know this? Let me, let me just start really heavy, then we're going to get light, and then we're going to get really heavy again. Um, that's just a warning. That's just a fair warning for us today. Um, but when you, before you met Jesus, you weren't just bad. Scripture says you were dead, that you were dead in your trespasses. But Jesus. How many thankful but Jesus moments in your life? Come on, but Jesus stepped in and brought new life to you. And so today we celebrate that. I'm just believing uh, for revival in our church. And so as we jump into this, uh, we look at the word revival. We look at it seven letters, one word, but there's so much power. Seven letters, one word. But as we, as we look at it, we, we have so much anticipation. As we look at this seven letters, one word, we start to think to ourselves, like, are we living in it? Are we walking in the days of Revival. We've been talking about it for months, over a year now of revival, that we feel that revival is taking place. So what does it, what does it mean? I want to kind of take you on a crash course of a few different definitions of what revival is defined as, but then we're going to talk about revival as we've seen it play out in generations before. But revival defined by Webster is this, is a period of renewed religious interest. And I hated that definition because I'm like, listen, um, that, that's, it, it, was, it was Webster and Webster probably doesn't, like, I, I'm not going to call Webster. I don't even know Webster, but, but it felt very flat. It felt very two-dimensional. It didn't feel alive. I'm like looking at this. I'm like, when I'm talking about revival, there's nothing that gets me fired up like this, like a, a period of renewed religious interest. I'm just fired up. Fired up, ready to, ready to go after it. And then I looked at, at, at Google and Google said this, is it the reawakening of the religious fervor? And then I had to look up what is a, a, a synonym of fervor to even know what it was talking about. Um, <laughs> Because I grew up in North Carolina, and, uh, and so we, we, I'm, I'm barely, we just got like paved roads and bathrooms down there, and uh, it's crazy, but uh, education's still coming along. But I had to look up the word fervor, so I still wasn't convinced. And then I, then I found one that I was like, all right, we're getting closer. We're getting way closer. This is some of my, my research of, of, of revival defined. This is a little bit longer, but revival is a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. Let me speak this over some of your life that over the next several weeks that some of you are going to have a reawakening of your spirit. That some of you are going to come out of stagnation and out of dormancy in your spiritual life. And in Jesus' name, I speak it over you. Come on, that it's going to, we're going to hook an AED up to your faith. Clear, boom, you're going to come back alive. You're going to like, something's happening in your, in your chest. Something's beginning to beat again in your life. But it went on like this. It says, it encompasses the resurfacing of a love for God. It encompasses the resurfacing of a love for God and appreciation of God's holiness, a passion for his word and his church, a convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin, a spirit of humility, and a desire for repentance and growth and righteousness. 
And when I read this one, y'all, I got the super soaker of my faith ready. And I started pumping that thing up and I started, I'm like, let's go. Let's charge the gates of hell with a super soaker. And just, I'm, I'm fired. When I read this, I start getting excited about what I believe revival could be. I was thinking of revival, Charles Finney, a revivalist. He said it like this. He said, a revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. It's nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. It's one thing to define it, but, but it's, it's a whole different thing to hear about it. Stories of people, stories of generations, stories of, of, of groups of, of individuals who saw revival take place. Maybe you've heard of this, the, the great awakenings. There's a great awakening, a second great awakening, a third great awakening, and a fourth great awakening that have happened over the span of not just our lifetime, but like the generations before. There's awakenings that have happened spiritually. Ones like the great awakening, which was around 1730 to 1755, where George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley were preaching the gospel and people were coming to know Jesus in droves. Jonathan Edwards, he preached a message that's legendary. It's called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I thought that would be a great sermon series if you wanted no one to come. Come on, somebody. <laughs> come on, come out next week as we start a brand new teaching series called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You're like, oh, good, where do I sign up? Can't wait to go, right? I'm so pumped. But, but nonetheless, people came to know Jesus in droves. And the second great awakening were circuit riders, guys that got on horseback and, and, and they went around the, the country and preached the gospel. People like Francis Asbury and preachers like Charles Finney that we just spoke about. Finney would go on to, to preach a revival that would last from the fall of 1830 to the spring of 1831. Nearly seven months in the area of Rochester, New York. And history tells us, if you were to research this, that during that revival, that, that things began to shift all over the area, that the jails were literally emptied, that the police officers were sent out on sabbatical because there was no crime, that the shop owners closed down their business because there was nothing more that people wanted to do than just to gather around and pray and to worship God and to go for him and to believe that revival was going to take place. People rode from hundreds of miles by horse and buggy and they came around to, to hear Charles Finney preach so that they would just be able to taste, be able to feel a little bit of the revival that was taking place around them. And I don't know about you, but I just long for the days of Finney to be the days of ours. Believer, let me ask you this. Follower of Jesus, let me ask you this. And you don't have to answer. This is a rhetorical question. Just answer it in your mind. Do you have the faith to believe that what God has done before, he can do again? Do you and I believe that these great awakenings are just the days of old? Or is it possible that God's waiting on a people God's waiting on a place to position their hearts, steward revival. Awakenings like the third great awakening where leaders like D.L. Moody were raised up and revivals like Azusa Street were taking place. The fourth great awakening, which is also known as the Jesus People Movement, happened in the 1960 to 1980 timeframe. It's where hundreds of thousands of hippies, they left their LSD and they had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Come on, they, they cut their hair and they started following Jesus. Matter of fact, they didn't cut their hair. That was the whole problem. The church didn't even know what to do when people started getting their life changed and they didn't fit the mold. 
Like, how many of you are thankful that for a place like United Church where you can come, you don't have to fit the mold? <laughs> I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a place where, where, we, can, where we can talk about Jesus, where we can, we can see this, this movement of God continue to happen in modern movements like Billy Graham Crusades. And you may be wondering, Pastor Kenneth, why are we talking about all of this history? You know, you know the reason I love history? The reason I love history so much and the reason I loved it when I was in school is because history always resolves itself as you're studying it. Like you always get to see the end of the story of what's taking place in all of these situations. The hard part about our story is that we can't see the ending. We don't know the resolution. But my question for us today is we as we wait and we watch for God to move in this place and as we position our hearts in order to see him move, my question that I would pose to you is this, is why not us? Why not now? Why not us? And why not now? Why would would God withhold from us in this moment? I'm not sure that, that he wants to. He's looking for a people. He's looking for a place to pour out his Spirit, and we all get pumped when we hear stories like Finney's and think of crusades and we think of revivalists like Billy Graham. So how do we get there? Because it's awesome to see the story fully written. As we said, that history often has, has resolved itself. It's, it's awesome to see the cake fully baked. Come on, how, how many of y'all love a baked cake? I, I don't know, I love a baked cake. You know what I love better than the baked cake is actually the bowl. You know what I mean? That has nothing to do with my message. But anyways, but... I love, I love seeing the baked cake, but the ingredients are what matters. I love seeing the canvas, but it, you, you need like the, the, the fro and the palette in order to make it happen. Shout out to Bob Ross. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, 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 it's awesome to see the, in all of this stuff come to fruition and be completed. But what are the things that it takes in order to see things like this happen? Today, I want to I wanna preach this message. And um, if you're taking notes, I need a, a title at the top of my notes oftentimes. It's called The Recipe of Revival. Recipe of revival, recipe of revival. And I want to take you to um, the book of Second Chronicles. If you have your Bible, turn with me there. Uh, if, you don't, if, you, if you have your, your paper Bible, you want to turn there and you don't know where that is, no judgment, just go to the front of the Bible. It's got an index there. You can find Second Chronicles. But in Second Chronicles, we see that Solomon, who is said to be the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth, has just completed the temple. And this temple, if you know the story, was actually a a dream that was placed in the heart of his father, David. And so Solomon actually sees this thing to completion. He crosses the finish line of completing the temple, which led me to think as I was writing this message, like, is it possible that as God has called us to love Delaware until their heart beats like the father? And I believe that it's going to go so much further than that. But if God has called us to love Delaware until the heart beats like the father, is it possible that it might not be our generation that sees it take place, but it might just be the next one? But here's the question I would ask furthermore is this, is are we okay with that if it's not me preaching when revival takes place? If it's not me preaching when the heart of Delaware begins to beat more like the fathers, if it's the next generation that's in United Kids right now, are we okay with seeing that? Will we be found faithful even if it doesn't happen in our generation? 
And Solomon was, was faithful to bring this to completion, his father's vision, what God had downloaded on him. And we see that, that in this passage that we're going to read in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the chapter right before that, there's some awesome, miraculous things that are taking place. If you love the word of God, I would encourage you to go to that in your study this week. The 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7, there's some amazing things, but we see this, that God has moved in power. And Solomon is asking God to dwell with his people and to move mightily in their midst. And so we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 12, it says this. It says, then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and he said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place, speaking of the temple, for myself as a house of sacrifice. I was thinking as I was writing this, would God look at us and say the same thing? Would God look at our church, United Church? And I, I know that revival's not just going to take place in United Church. I'm believing it for all of the Jesus preaching churches that are around our area. Come on, shout out to all the Jesus preaching churches that are around our area. There's, there's some awesome churches that, that are around this area. But, but I, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Would it be said about us if God was looking down that he has chosen this place for himself as a house of sacrifice? I took it a step further as I was writing this. I started thinking, would he, would he say that about me? You know, scripture calls our bodies the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That when God looks at my life, would, would I be counted as, as worthy? Would would I be counted as faithful? I want to encourage you, this series, um, you know, I want to light a fire in our church. I want to, like, get everybody excited and believing for revival. And I think all of that stuff is amazing corporately. But I believe that this series, especially today, will be so awesome for some personal reflection time in us. For us to just take a moment, to take a time out, to really just kind of pull the car over to the side of the road, to check in on our lives, to say, God, would you, would I be the one, would our church be the one, but not only would our church, but would I be a place where you could see that you would call a house of sacrifice? And God gives you and I what I believe is the recipe of revival in verse number 14. He says, if my people who are called by my name, check it out, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God says, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know what I, I feel like the American church has wanted for too long? I feel like the American church for too long has wanted the second part without participating in the first part. Like we've been asking God, would you heal our land? God, would you do something great? God, these people and leaders are crazy. God, would you do something awesome? God, would you do something amazing? And God's like, hey, it's not a matter of if I'm going to do this. My heart has always been to send revival. My heart has always been to bring people into the kingdom. His heart has always been, but he gives us this if-then statement that if we do these things, God promises that he will do his part. But too often, we, we want to we bypass all of the ingredients. You can't bake a cake with no ingredients. Like you, you, you can just show up at Walmart and get the cake, but it ain't going to be as good as when your mama cake cooks it at home. 
You get all the rest, you, get, you don't get to lick the bowl when you go to Walmart. Come on, so I'm preaching now, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Man, my brain does the strangest things when I'm preaching. But what I want to do is I want to walk you through four things, four things that I believe truly are the recipe of revival. And as I walk through these, I want you to notice how all of these are, are deeply personal. They're, they're deeply personal. And the reason I believe that they are deeply personal is because so often God wants to do something in you before he does something through you. I've said that before, but I, I know that what, what happens is we want God to do something through us. We're praying for God to do something through us. And God's like, hey, hey take a time out. I'm, I'm excited about doing things through you, but I want to do something in you because if I just do something through you before I do something in you, I will short circuit the entire spiritual process. He said, hey, so, so today, what I, want to, I, want to, I want to do something. God's saying, I want to do something in you. I want to do something in you before I do it through you. And I, I, I'm excited. Revival's great for United. But what I want more than revival at United is I want revival in you. Because I know that when you and I experience personal revival, because I know that there are some dead parts of my life, some dead pieces of my life that I need God to breathe on, to bring back to life so that I can operate in the fullness of everything that he has for me. And so as we walk through these, I want to encourage you to listen through the lens because there's four and, and you may be like, okay, this is the one, this is the one that I really need to like focus in on. These two are ones that I need to focus in on, the, 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 maybe three of them. And maybe some of y'all are like me, come on, when y'all are taking the test, it was E, all of the above. Come on, somebody like this is, this is where I am with all of these things. I'm, I'm still a work in progress, admittedly so, but, but it's incredible if you check out this, because I want you to see where it starts again. He says, if my people, remember he wants to do revival. He wants to bring about life change. He wants to move in power. But if my people who are called by my name, which is so reassuring, assuring because the world will speak so much identity over your life. But I love that God says, if my people who are called by my name, hey, when you're having a bad day, just remember that you are a son or daughter of God. That when you're having a bad day, hey, a bad day with Jesus is better than the worst day without him. Come on, or your worst day without Jesus is better than the best day without him. I said that backwards, but it's still powerful because we know what we're trying to say is that with Jesus, although we may walk through some valleys, we know that, man, we have a hope that stands strong. He says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves. The first recipe, the first ingredient that I want to tell you is it's personal humility. I believe that God started with a, a, a difficult one because he, he knew that we would have to clear that hurdle before we moved on to the rest. Personal humility. In 2022, you don't meet a ton of people who just ooze with humility. You don't, you don't meet a ton of people that like we live in a, in, a, in a generation of like affronts and faking and kind of putting on airs and doing all these things and kind of wearing masks and all these things, but personal humility says, God, God says, hey, the first thing I want you to do, the first piece of the recipe is I want you to humble yourself. And I believe that one of the greatest realizations spiritually that I came to, I don't remember what time in my life, but I think that maybe today would be for you and, and um, is this, and listen, I, I know, I know your mama told you that you were the most important thing on planet earth. I know your daddy said the same, like I know that to be true. So I'm not trying to undermine your mama still loves you. You're still her snookums, come on somebody. But, but I, wanna, I wanna kinda break the news to you is the world doesn't actually revolve around you. It's, cra it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. Wait, wait, the, the, 
Like you ever, you ever been around those people? You're like, hey, it's your world. I'm living in it. Come on, somebody. Like you just feel like you get to take part in everything. You're like, I'm just a B uh, actor over here. I'll just play the, the background. It's your world. I'm living in it, right? Personal humility is so important because we have to understand as followers of Jesus that Jesus is the centerpiece of our life and everything that we do revolves around him. And when we understand this, when we have this type of humility, it's enough humility to realize that God can see further than you can see. It's enough humility to know that God has more wisdom than you and I have. Proverbs 11:2. Solomon said this. He said, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. There's another translation that says like this, when pride comes, then comes the fall, that pride comes before the fall. James chapter four, verse six says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That God literally, he stands and he will hold you, and that word opposes, that he will hold you at an arm's length away from him. That when we walk in pride, God opposes you, but he gives grace to the humble, that he literally welcomes in those who are walking in Humility. I, I, when I think of personal humility, if there's one name that comes to my mind, it's Pastor Mark Tenafalls. Like when I, when I think about him, when I get around him, how, there are people that you get around that you feel smaller and there's people that you get around and you just feel bigger. Like I get around Pastor Mark and I'm like, I can do this. I, can, I feel like my self-confidence like, do, 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 do. like it's just rising inside of me because there's a personal humility. And I believe that that's not just me, how I feel around Pastor Mark. I believe that's how God feels around you when personal humility starts to rise. He's like, hey, that's somebody I can use. That's somebody that'll make a difference. That's somebody who's gonna be a part of a movement. That's somebody who's gonna allow revival to flow through them and not allow the spotlight to be on themselves. Golf clap, yes, golf clap. Personal, yes, very humble, humble clap there, yeah. Like it, it's not about, it, it's the truth of the realization that personal, those are the people that God wants to use. There's another verse, I almost skipped this one. Verse 10 says, humble that yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. We, we walk in pride because we wanna lift ourselves up. But remember, we've talked about this so many times, the gospel is actually opposite. That when we go down, God brings us up. That when we humble ourselves, he lifts you up. He sees, sees you. See, why, why is humility, why is humility so important? Listen, I, humility is so important. And this is where we're gonna start treading into some deeper waters because it acknowledges the Lordship of Jesus in your life. So many people desire Jesus as savior but they hold him far away when they know that he wants to become the Lord of your life. Hey, hey Jesus, I'll give you these parts, but not those. Jesus, I, I know that you want the best for me, but like, I, I don't want to, but when we have the personal humility in our life to realize that God is saying, hey, if you wanna see revival take place, if you want that recipe, if you want that ingredient, that, that personal humility begins to rise up and we begin to see God do some amazing things in and through us, he continues, says, if my people who are called by my name, he says, humble themselves. And the second part, he says this, he says, and pray. Second recipe, the second ingredient, excuse me, is personal prayer. So we've got personal humility and personal prayer. It is so challenging to write messages to bring to a congregation. Because I was reflecting on my personal prayer time and uh, I started thinking about, I keep this little book because um, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm, I try to be disciplined in every area of my life. And sometimes that 
works good. Sometimes that just gets me stuck in a groove, but I try to be, I try to be very disciplined in every area of my life. So I have like a, a prayer book that's got prompts and it's got people and, and I pray for these things on a daily basis. And I started thinking about this as I was writing this message. I've said, listen, the question that was posed to me in my heart, maybe Holy Spirit, maybe just me thinking about this was if every prayer that you've prayed in that book came true, would revival take place? And the answer I came to was maybe, but probably not. And I wonder if every prayer that you and I have prayed over the last week, month, year of our life, if every prayer came true, would we see revival take place? And this is not to shame you in any way because I myself am in this circle of saying, hey, I want my personal prayer life to increase. D.L. Moody said this, this is such a powerful quote. He says, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. There's something so powerful. There's something that unlocks when you and I commit ourselves to prayer. There's something that begins to happen when you and I commit ourselves to being in front of Jesus. There's something, our hearts begin to be aligned with the fathers when you and I give ourselves to personal prayer. And so as you and I are praying and asking God to break our heart, our heart begins to break for what breaks his. Like our eyes begin to see as Jesus sees. Like our reactions begin to be more like the Father's. We become to be more in line with Jesus all along the way. There's something so powerful about that the supernatural begins to take place. You see, like the super is God, but the natural is prayer. And when you and I join together in personal prayer, the supernatural begins to take place and we begin to see miracle signs and wonders. Evan Roberts, he said it like this. He said, I realized before man, I could reach thousands, but before God, I could reach the whole world. There's something so powerful, like we can use our platform in our life to, to reach the people that are around us. And that's an amazing thing. But when we give ourselves and commit ourselves to personal prayer, come on, we can reach the entire world because something supernatural begins to take place. Like God can do, did you know, God can do more than you and I can do. That's crazy, mind blowing, but it's just, it's just factual information. And so that when you and I place ourselves before him, we see him move in mighty ways. The verse continues. He says, if my, my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray. So, so we have the, the personal humility. We have the personal prayer. He says, and seek my face. The, the third piece of this is, is personal holiness. Now, let, let me just stop there because um, I, I want to uh, point this out. Per personal, like holiness is not something we talk a whole ton about in 2022. Like, like the line that God has called us to and the, the things that God has, has chosen to, to pull out of our lives or to place in our lives, we, we don't talk about like holiness a lot. We, we don't talk a lot about sanctification. I talked a little bit about it uh, last week, but we don't talk a whole ton about sanctification. Let me just say this. I, I don't wanna spend too much time on personal holiness because I'm gonna spend an entire week on that next week. And so I wanna encourage you, Come on, to, to tune in, to, to, to be in the house, whatever you got to do, because we're going to talk about, holy, for an entire week, we're going to talk about holiness. And let me just speak, like this is Pastor Kenneth. I, hey, my name is Pastor Kenneth. I am your friend. Let me just speak this into your life. If you don't come next week because I said we're going to talk about holiness and you dip out as your pastor, if you're a believer, I'm not, I'm not talking to anybody, first time guests, like whatever, like you're awesome off the hook. If you're not a believer, I'm not talking to you. But people who call this church home, people who call me your pastor, if you don't show up because we're talking about holiness, let me look you in the eyes and just tell you in the most loving way possible, I believe that you are a coward, my friend. Because I believe that God is calling us 
to us. That was rough, wasn't it? That was tough. Yeah, it was tough. But personal, holy, personal, holy, it's the last part I want to show you. Is he says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face. Look, check it out. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Heal their land. There's a word, turn. There's a word that we don't talk about when it, as it relates to this idea of turn. Like you're heading in one direction, but I'm turning and going in another. Like I'm walking this way, but God has called us to 180 degree turn. So we, we've talked about all of these ideas, this personal humility. We've talked about personal prayer. We've, we've talked about personal holiness. But the last one I, I want to take, this is the last ingredient of the recipe of revival. The last one I want you to see is personal repentance. Personal repentance. And can I just tell you, church, I, I believe that out of all of these, I believe that this is the one that is missing most in the church today. Here's, here's why, and I feel the atmosphere shift even as I begin to talk about this because I believe this is a, I believe this is a stronghold of the enemy. Like when you start walking into like, you start wading into waters, you can feel it as you're preaching. Like we, we were all laughy, laughy at the beginning. We, we ain't laughy, laughy now, y'all. But the reason why this is so intense is because as believers, as followers of Jesus, we champion grace. We champion forgiveness. We're like, yes, grace. Yes, forgiveness. But we mention the word repentance and we're like, whoa. Like, like that, that's a little intense, Pastor Kenneth. Maybe it seemed a little old school, Pastor Kenneth, repentance. I love what Andy Bird said, this revivalist. He said, we must live in an environment of grace where there is a freedom to fail. How many are thankful for environments like that? I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that this is a place like that. But he continues, he says, however, we must also understand that there's an appropriate response to failure. He says, only then can grace release its full power. So we are free to fail but we must respond appropriately when we do. Repentance is that response. Why is repentance that response, Pastor Kenneth? It's, it's the response because it unlocks the fullness of Jesus in your life. Can I tell you today, it's possible that you've been living in less than what Jesus has for you because you failed to live in repentance. Like God is calling us to a standard. God is calling us to a place and, 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 and we, we fall. And here's the deal. Let, let, me, let me just be the one. Like there are things that you and I, like there are things that kind of, that, that, that I struggle with, that maybe you struggle with, but maybe things that you struggle with that I don't struggle with and, and vice versa. There's things that people on this side struggle with that don't struggle on this side. But let me just ask you to, by show of hands, how many of you have something in your life that you struggle with that you just wish God would remove from your life? Yeah, yeah, just look around because we're shaming the devil right now. He's a liar. You can put him down. He wants you to make you feel like you're by yourself. Like no one else struggles with these things. And there's things in our life that we continue to ask God forgiveness for, for his forgiveness. And he will give you the forgiveness that you need. 
But can I tell you that there are things in your life that God is saying, hey, I don't want to just forgive you. I do, I will forgive you. Don't, don't mess up my theology here. I will forgive you, but I want you to turn from those things. Like, because not because I'm mad at you, not because I hate you, not because I'm even frustrated with you, but because you're my son, you're my daughter, and I know that there's so much more fullness that is available for you in your life if you would just turn. If you would just, you would just turn. What are those things, Pastor Kenneth? I'm not even gonna go into those things because you, the Holy Spirit resides inside of you and he is speaking to you right now. Say, no, no, no. Let's move past just asking God for forgiveness, which by the way, again, let me say it one more time. He will forgive you. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God of 400th chances. But he's saying, I, I, I've got so much, so much more. If you would just, if you would just turn, I've got so much more. So today as we, as we finish, I would just love to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes right where you are. And I don't wanna rush past this moment. What a missed opportunity would be if we didn't create space where people could spend time calling out to God for this humility and this prayer, holiness, repentance that we've talked about. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, it's just for distraction's sake, I just, let me just say this, the experience is not over. So if you leave, you're going to distract someone from having a moment from God, so don't do that. But in a moment, there's gonna be a song that's sung over you. Church, I want you to hear me say this. This is a moment where we do some reflection. Where we say, God, we want we desire our heart's cry as revival. We wanna see you do revival in our church, but first God, would you do, would you send revival in me? And so maybe today you would say, God, I, I'm humbling myself before you. God, today I'm starting the conversation because I want my personal prayer to increase. God, this holiness that he talked about that we're gonna spend a whole week next week. God, would you, would you make me holy like you? God, this repentance piece, God, is something that I've been, asking for forgiveness for and blowing past, but God, I pray that you would allow me to repent today, that you would allow me to turn. Whether you need to make the front of the auditorium that you're in, the altar, whether you need to make the seat that you're in, the altar, whatever it is that you need to make the altar, but today, this is your time, this is our time to allow these words to be sung over you. Don't miss this moment. Fears changing now for the spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the spirit of the Lord is here, overflowing this place. Fill our hearts with your love, your love surround. 
Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. Overflow in this place, fill our hearts with your love, your love, surround. Verses 
continue in verse 15 and 16 of chapter seven of Second Chronicles. It says, now my eyes will be open, speaking of God, and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. See, the crazy thing that happens is when we get this humility, when we get this prayer and the holiness and repentance, this recipe of revival begins to rise up inside of us. God says this, he says, now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. So my question is the same question that I asked earlier. Why not us? Why not now? Church, I don't know about you, but I sense something rising in our congregation. I sense something rising in our people that God is doing something so deep inside of people. And I believe that collectively the outpouring that we're going to see is revival. Do you believe that today, church? Do you believe that? I I, I believe that today. Wow. So I'm going to pray. Your MC is going to take over. But Father, we just step into your presence again to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for revival. God, thank you that you're not done. Thank you so much for challenging us. Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for bringing us closer to your heart. So God, today, this week, this month, God, our lives, will we dedicate ourselves to the things that we've seen and we've talked about today. Give us your strength to walk out your plan for our lives. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.